0: I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you can't change other people, you can only change yourself. Well, it's not true. In fact, if you're a leader or a manager, it's your obligation to change other people, to help them become better at what they do, to become stronger. And if you care about the people in your life, then it's your longing to help them change in ways that support their own growth. This is the subject of my newest book, which I wrote with my good friend Howie Jacobson. It's called You Can Change Other People, The Four Steps to Help Your Employees, colleagues, even family, up their game. It's based on my coaching methodology that I've worked on over the past 30 years, brought to you in a practical, step-by-step format that you can start using immediately. You can get it wherever books are sold. To download a sample chapter, either in written form or audio version, visit bregmanpartners.com forward slash new book. That's one word, bregmanpartners.com forward slash new book. And if you've already enjoyed You Can Change Other People, Please consider leaving a review on Amazon to help others just like you discover the book. Now, on to today's episode. We are lucky enough to have a a friend of mine, a really capable and interesting, engaging human being and leader with us today, Niran Choudhury. He is the CEO of Panera Brands. It's one of the world's largest fast, casual restaurant companies. I'm sure you know them. Uh, Panera Brands is comprised of Panera Bread, Caribou Coffee, and Einstein Bagels. He's also the CEO of Panera Bread. Before that, Niran was chief operating officer and president of Krispy Kreme, and he has thought a tremendous amount about leadership. He is, he is one of those leaders whom I know personally, so I can validate this, is, is a, a thoughtful and caring and stellar human being, as well as an exceptional leader. And, and that's the sort of criteria in my book for, you know, how you really contribute in a meaningful way in the world to be an exceptional leader and a stellar human being. Niran fits uh, both of those categories uh, uncompromisingly. Niran, welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you, Peter. What a pleasure to see you and to be able to chat with you today.
0: So I, I would love to have this be, you know, a lot of times I, I talk with people about their books. You're coming out with a book. It's not out yet. Uh, but I'm really interested in your journey, your journey as a leader, your, the, the sort of practices that you have that help you to manage larger and larger uh, parts of the organization and, and also your personal journey. So this is going to be an open conversation. And I, I would love for you to take the lead and to share a little bit about your career journey today. Like, and actually, not just your career journey, but your journey as a human being to get to where you are now.
1: Sure, Peter. Um, so I was uh, born and grew up in, in India,
0: um,
1: and that's where I started uh, both my personal journey and also my professional journey. And I'll, I'll give you a sketch of both. So professionally, I did my MBA and then worked with the, the Tatas, one of the premier business houses in India. Uh, was running a 600-room hotel as a resident manager. It was my first job. did that for about six, seven years. And then after that, I joined Yum Brands. Um, I think you know Yum, which is Pizza Hut, KFC, Taco Bell. Fantastic company. And I worked with them for close to 23 years. Fascinating set of experiences. You know, 10 years. I lived and ran the businesses in Europe. I lived in the Netherlands and Germany and speak both those languages and Ran those businesses, you know, fantastic life experience. And then ten years went back to India, ran all three brands, took them up from uh, the ground level to close to a thousand stores in ten years. So almost twenty years of those twenty-three were operating businesses in Europe or in India. And then my last job with young brands, I was the global president for KFC, uh, looking after about five thousand stores across fifty countries, living in Dallas. And thereafter. I joined JAB. Uh, JAB is one of the world's largest investment funds. I joined them as an operating partner. And as you mentioned, uh, about five years ago, you know, initially with Krispy Kreme, had a fantastic time uh, peddling donuts from a briefcase all over the world for a bunch, a bunch of years. It was a fascinating uh, brand and a terrific job. I loved it. And then I think um, three years back, probably, I think this is the dream job. You know, I've always been drawn to companies that are quality brands that believe in doing things the hard way and they stand behind their values and who they are. I've always been drawn to that. And Panera Bread has been the pinnacle of that aspiration consistently. So I've always admired Panera Bread from a distance. And you can imagine my delight when I was asked by JAB if I would come and be part of this team. And that happened about three years back. So I came in here. uh, Following in the... uh, very impressive footsteps of the founder, Ron Sheik, who did an amazing job over 30 years creating this incredible company and brand and uh, came into that uh, company and, and have been through a transformation journey. How do we take what we have and strengthen it and make it even stronger for the future? And that's been a fascinating journey. And then recently, as you mentioned, the role has been expanded to Panera Brand. So I look after now this, that platform and that's where we are today. But I, I can tell you without hesitation that this is the best job I've ever had in my life. You know, I really feel that, uh, you know, I, I have to sometimes sort of pinch myself and say, like, is this li- really real? Because I'm like, <laughs> it's really when you say I'm having such a good time doing amazing things with amazing people. Can this actually be true? And, and fortunately, it is.
0: Unpack that for us a little bit. I'm curious when you say like this, you know, this is the best job I've ever had. It's a dream job. What goes into that? What what makes it the best job you've ever had?
1: So I think it is uh, if you have the opportunity to work on a brand that mirrors your core values, mm-hmm. uh, that is very rare to find. you know that-
0: Interesting. I was gonna ask you about that because when I think about crisp when I think about my own care of my body and I think about crispy cream, I think, oh, yum, you know, like they're good, but really not good for you. And even before I've known you, when I thought of Panera Bread, I've always thought of, oh, if I'm on the road and there's a Panera Bread, I know I could get something healthy and good for me. So the brands seem completely different from that perspective. Is, is that your experience of it?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I've in fact coming into Panera Bread. I think that was on people's minds. Like this guy has been selling fried chicken, fried pizza, fried Taco Bells, <laughs> yeah, fried, yeah. <laughs> fried donuts all his life. Not a great and, health
0: track record, Niran. <laughs> and and now
1: is the moment of redemption. Um, you know, right. uh, for food as it should be. No, I think even those brands are spectacular brands, and they have a role to play in the lives of our consumers. And you know, for the need when you have you you need indulgence. You know, there's a specific need for those brands. For me, the filter was: Are you doing it in your category to the very best and the highest level of quality that you could find for that particular brand? Uh-huh. And the question question unhesitatingly was: Yes, yes, yes. For KFC, you know, fresh chicken, you know, donuts uh, uh, produced on premise for Krispy Kreme, same same sort of DNA. So that's what attracted me, which is you know, quality and commitment right. and standing behind, being leader brands in your respective categories. However. My, my value of, you know, doing great things and doing it the right way, having this tremendous sweet spot of food that is great and also good for you. Mm-hmm. That's a phenomenal, I mean, aspiration. And there are very few brands that, you know, pass that filter. And Panera, like I said, you know, is, that, is, is at the very pinnacle of that aspiration. And, and therefore, I think I, I'm so uh, honored and privileged to be part of this incredible company. And that's why I feel so I'm in the right brand. So that's one source of joy, but the other source of joy also is from the people and culture that I'm surrounded by just absolutely amazing people. And we are very committed to doing big things, but doing them the right way, you know, and Mm -hmm. the combination of those three things, great brand, tremendous people and an empowering culture make it like a dream job.
0: Okay. So this is a massive question and I'm going to let you uh, uh, find your way into it in, in whatever way makes sense to you in In my coaching, certainly, one of the most important things I work with uh, with leaders is to build a stellar team, what you're describing, like we've got amazing people, you have a stellar team. I'm curious what advice you have to leaders about building a stellar team. You know, you come in, you're either coming into an organization, you may have the team that's been given to you, or you may be trying to build your own team. What are some keys? What are some things that stand out for you? that say, you know, all of us at, at very, very senior levels can only be successful with independently capable people who are running their own show incredibly well in alignment, collectively moving in the same direction. So any thoughts you have that you can share about what you do to build that kind of a team?
1: Yeah, great question. And I think from, in my book, I think there are two important things. One is hire rock stars. Mm-hmm. And the second is make sure
0: these rock stars
1: played together on the same team, which is not always easy. You
0: know? well, it's almost always some level of opposition, right? Like rock stars yeah. don't really like rock stars always prefer their solo album. Like yeah. they're, they're not, they're not always team players in the same way. So how do you manage that?
1: Yeah. So I think, so let me give you a sense of what both those things are. So hire rock stars and make sure they win together. So in hiring rock stars, I, I essentially, to me, uh, Hiring rock stars is entirely uh, a function of recruitment. Mm-hmm. I would say a rock star quotient is about getting your recruitment right. 99% is the recruitment filter. And then 1% is everything else because you
0: hire for attitude, right? Attitude is everything. So okay, so that's I- your, your filter. Your recruitment filter is attitude.
1: Is attitude. So I'll give you my recruitment filter. Essentially I look for three things. In 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 the leadership team or or leaders that I'm hiring, Uh, firstly, with the mindset is I have to get recruitment right Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that is where that is that is the the biggest lever that you have. So three things that I look for: functional competence, Mm -hmm. the the rockstar has to be rockstar in his respective function, but then leadership competence. The person should be able to uh, set the agenda, align teams, collaborate, get things done, and finally is the cultural competence, which is, does this person fit the culture that we're trying to create? And I disproportionately look for, you know, a tick on the third box. Mm -hmm. So you could be a great functional expert, you could be a tremendous leader, but you also have to have the ability to do things the right way. So on Mm -hmm. culture, I have, you know, I would say on culture, the biggest filter for me is intrinsic humility. Mm -hmm. If you have humility, everything else, you know, basically falls in line. You listen better. You're more collaborative. You're more engaging. You're more respectful.
0: And how so, do you assess? How do you assess humility in a candidate? So I think it's through the conversation
1: that you have. It's kind of vulnerability. It's you know the person being comfortable in, in his or her own skin, uh, being willing to share very openly the journey that they've been through. And it's kind of your instinct, you know, around people. So I think I, I really screen for that. And I look for that and the stories that they tell, the examples that they gave, the I versus we and you know, that, all, the, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So that's the first piece, hire rock stars, you know, mm-hmm. and, and against those filters of functional leadership and cultural alignment and fit. However, that's not enough. You've got to then mold these rock stars into a team. And um, what I have learned is that that is I'm the head coach. And, and if the team doesn't work well, it is my accountability. You know, I have failed. And therefore, I have to actually make sure that I'm creating the right environment, the right expectations, and the right team norms that everybody signs up to and they will play against. They're committed to the team. So I'll give you some examples. So we have actually, you know, we have um, all aligned around some very key team norms that we have all Uh, uh, committed to and hold each other accountable to so for example we all say this is our first team we are loyal first to this team and then to our functional teams Mm -hmm. we are functional leaders second we are business leaders first you know we won't make any decisions without disagreement uh, for example so and, and there are a bunch of other things so I think that's where I think sometimes leaders are not able to we are very good at aligning on strategy, on mission and direction, but we forget to take this step of aligning on norms. You know, how will we work together? Mm-hmm. And I think that is so critical in being able to create, establish, maintain, grow, develop a rock star team that's playing together on the same side.
0: I'm curious if you have had success with someone who's come in as a very strong functional leader focused on their function, which is how most people grow up. So it's sort of a what got you here won't get you there perspective, right? It's, it, you know, most people have been successful because they've been successful, you know, at, with functional expertise and they're stepping into leadership roles and they still have the hat of I am the lead of this function. What have you, have you been successful with? And if so, what have you done to help reshape their perspective to commit more to the executive team, to their colleagues, you know, at the same level as them across function, as opposed to prioritizing their own function.
1: So I think the, uh, as always, you know, the, the thing is around just clarity and alignment. Um, so for example, you bring the team together and say, do you all want to succeed? Obviously everyone wants to succeed. Right. And then you say to what does success look like? So you have a common definition, enterprise value, impact mm-hmm. on the community and that would great. Are we more likely to succeed if we show up as one team or individual fragments of the team? Well, one team. Okay. So what does that one team look like? And you align on those team norms. Are we all committed? And do we see the benefit of showing up like this? Yes. So you get the buy-in. Once you get the buy-in and the commitment, then it is up to me and the other executive team members to hold each other accountable for moments when we are not showing up like that. Mm-hmm. In our one-on-one coaching, in peer feedback, in 360 feedback, and saying, hey, listen, when I observe this, are you sure you were wearing a business hat versus a functional hat? How might you actually think about it if you were to take a business perspective? And the person say, yeah, okay, actually, that's right. And thanks for letting me know, and I, I will. So I think it's a case of, if you have upfront alignment, you know, and people agree that that makes sense, then you have to coach your team into that behavior. And I have seen, you know, I have seen remarkable success with that uh, as long as you know we're being honest with each other, holding mm-hmm. each other accountable. and' I'm, I'm, I'm also role modeling that behavior. The other thing is you know that uh, that where, where the uh, executive team and peers see the immediate benefit, I have this belief that anything anything that is dysfunctional that we see in the organization mm-hmm. is merely a reflection of how the executive team operates. Mm-hmm. So if you see silos, in the organization that means that the executive team is in silos you know right. and therefore we almost have to role model camaraderie collaboration team orientation winning together spirit and what are for some ways cascade.
0: what are some ways that you do that visibly to the rest of the organization so that it begins to cascade
1: so i think visibly it is like you know so i think all of this the visible display of it happens naturally as long as you're doing this work diligently and consistently. You mm-hmm. can't sort of fake the end, end output. Right. So what you want to see is you want to see that the team shows up as one. One voice, one team, one dream, one goal. They're fully aligned and everybody's moving in the same direction. That's the end objective. Right. But to get there are thousands of interactions and conversations and discussions that you have where you're keeping in mind your team norms, holding each other accountable, and spending the time together as a team, getting to know each other well, building trusting
0: relationships, and then that results in you showing up as a unified force. Right. So um, I would remiss in not talking a little bit or expanding on uh, your affinity to even the term rock star, since um, I happen to know that your son's a rock star, and his wife is a rock star, and you yourself are a little bit of a rock star. And so what I'm curious about is you know a lot of people struggle with the line and the balance between personal and professional between who they are as a person and who they are as a leader and i find of everybody that i know you're you're at the top of people who do a very very good job of showing up in a very very human way i've seen you at offsites you know make up songs and play the songs. You you recently sent me a YouTube video about the chicken sandwich, you know, that you had, had written and you play, you know, in a leather jacket and your guitar and you're sort of playing the song. And I'm I'm just curious to hear a little bit about how you think about the blurring of the line between who you are as a person and who you are as a leader in the role of, you know, CEO of Panera Brands. And hey, I like to make up songs and play them on my guitar and have some fun in that way. And, you know, I, I find people are often kind of uncomfortable in 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 the, you know, across playing with that line. And I think you do it in a very confident way. And I would love to hear a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Firstly, um, my son and my daughter-in-law are the real rock stars. I'm a wannabe. So <laughs> I just want to qualify that. Secondly, uh, have you tried the
0: chicken stand? I, I have not tried the chicken sandwich, but I so will, I will. I will that, uh... that
1: song that song is worth nothing if you haven't tried the chicken sandwich. <laughs> Any, anyways, um, so I think the the core sort of my philosophy around this is that we all as as human beings, as leaders, you know, want to impact the world. You know, we want to have, we want to leave a legacy. We want to impact the world. And my belief is that impact can happen only if you have, you know, inner balance and you have, you sort of you strive to have inner mastery. And that mastery in turn, uh, so it begins, in other words, the impact begins by first managing yourself. And if you're in a good place yourself, then you can radiate that impact to other people. So that's my core, core philosophy. To be able to manage yourself, I believe there are three things that, are, that you need. One, you need a clarity of purpose. Who am I? What do I want to do? So my, my purpose is I want to inspire myself and those around me to be the best version of ourselves consistently. That's my purpose. Second thing is you need to have clarity of your values. Who are you? How do you show up? So my values that are not being congruent, you know, courage, curiosity, humility, and so on. The third element is balance, which is in, in seeking balance, you, you, you find sort of a sense of equilibrium and control. And that balance is that none of us have just a singular dimension of our life. We're not just, you know, like a CEO or a coach or, you know, I'm a father, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm an athlete, I'm a coach, I'm a mentee, I'm a spiritual learner, I'm a student, you know, I'm a a sports person, and I have these multiple roles that I want to play. And balance to me is that in only pursuing fulfillment across all of these areas that I'm interested in, will I have a sense of deep inner fulfillment? that I'm trying to be the best version of who I am in multi-dimensional way. So that's kind of the core idea. Mm-hmm. And therefore, to me, a very aspect of who I am and how I show up is that I'm always seeking that balance. You know, so like I'm always, uh, my. I, I want to read, I want to learn languages, I want to do music, I want to do sports and so forth. And if I don't, if I just have a one dimensional lopsided way to exist, then I will show up in that fashion, you know, with my teams and I will not, encourage work-life balance or, or mental health etc which is becoming so important in today's uh, today's world so that is where it comes from and I find then it is it just comes down to if you really want it you will always find time you know mm-hmm. um, and I think uh, I, I don't really buy the fact that well I'm so busy I don't have time for it I think right. you can always always find time And there are various, I've discovered various hacks, by the way, and I'm happy to get into that at some stage of how to take very little time and make progress on language, on reading, on on, learning, and so on, as you also, of course, toward the company. And and then finally, I think uh, my belief is that the most powerful aspect of leadership is to be a servant leader, to turn up Uh, genuinely in service of other people you know and 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 to be very accessible to be very approachable to be to be seen just like a normal guy you know just uh, like anybody else just doing a different job and I think this uh, music and having fun I think sets the tone for uh, the kind of culture that we want which is we want life is too short Uh, we spend a lot of time with each other we want to have fun whilst we do amazing things And, and 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 hopefully that's the impact that it has
0: I'm curious if you find it easier or harder to show up in the way you're describing as the CEO and the head leader um, versus when you were more junior in the organization. And you like was it was it easier for you to do that and harder now, or was it you know is it is it uh, you know easier now? Um, I'm you no, know, because uh, I could see it either way.
1: I've always been you know uh, I've always been this way I've you know always sort of brought my whole self right and and played very hard and worked very hard so this has been a common thread in fact it's quite funny I went back to India Uh, I worked in India for 10 years like I said running the young business and um, I met somebody uh, uh, in Bangalore you know one of the one of the cities Mm -hmm. and they said oh Niren it's great to see you I haven't seen you for like five or ten years it's fantastic I said Oh, great. He said, we remember our times so fondly. I said, what do you remember? They said, every time he used to sing and crack those jokes. I said, (laughs) "I said, what about all the, you know, impactful leadership? He says, who cares about that?
0: Yeah, right. That is, (laughs) that's very funny. Those are the things you remember. It's true. So people, people actually,
1: people remember how you make them feel, you know, and uh, and the fun that you have and the common experiences that you create. So I think that's kind of, uh, that really sort of resonated with me. I said, wow, I mean, you know um there's more than one way to uh, uh, leave an impact and influence and you know and uh, and memories uh, with teams that you work
0: with. I love that and I'm going to give you uh, I'm gonna I, I don't know if you're in a situation to be able to do this. I don't know where you are right now but um, and I have a bunch more questions. but I'm wondering whether at the end of this conversation you might you know play us out with a song. Oh, of uh, course.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm always always up for it
0: that's great okay so we'll we'll uh, we'll make sure that we save time at the end to, to hear a song um, you mentioned time hacks and it what that makes me think of is this um, challenge that I often see clients face and that you have certainly faced I'm assuming when you were just CEO of Panera Bread I say just right just CEO of Panera Bread you were very busy right like you didn't have tons of free time you weren't floating around in your pool on a you know, on a, on a blow-up mattress and wondering what to do. Like, you were very busy as, as, as head of Panera Bread. And then on top of that now, you're also CEO of Panera Brands, right? Which, you know, includes Caribou and Coffee and Einstein Brothers Bagels. And I think that transition is very interesting and often challenging for people because now you're, you know, in a sense running or you're in charge of three brands, you don't have three times as much time as you had beforehand, right? You, you have to be incredibly efficient and assuming that you're not gonna work harder uh, than, than you're gonna work you know, when you were already working as hard as you could probably as, as CEO of Panera Bread. I'm curious to hear you talk about that and, and what you do when your job scales, when your responsibility and mandate scales in order to be as powerful and effective without running yourself ragged?
1: I think the uh, mental picture you created of me lying uh, on a pool <laughs> in an air mattress, I think is a compelling one, but I don't have a <laughs> pool, I don't have a mattress either. Um, uh, I live in a flat, you know, small little flat here in, in, in the middle of Boston. Uh, but I think that's an interesting thing to aspire to. I, I think it, you know, as always, it comes down to having uh, exceptional leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, So my role uh, is one of defining what the opportunity for Panera brands can be in the mid to long term. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole agenda is around growth, you know, growth that you can trust, because these are three iconic brands with an incredible track record and a huge future that lies ahead. And, you know, creating that compelling vision and uh, articulating a clear strategy as to how to get there In uh, partnership, uh, I have some outstanding, dedicated brand CEOs. So I have a CEO for Caribou Coffee, uh, John Butcher, a phenomenal leader, tremendous uh, team, um, used to work at Target. And then from Darden, we have uh, a fantastic leader, Jose, who leads our Einstein uh, uh, Bagel Brands. Both of these leaders are, are best in class. And they have dedicated executive teams that are focused only that wake up every single day thinking about nothing but caribou, nothing about but Einstein. And similarly at Panera Bread, apart from me and Ted, my CFO, that we we kind of steward brands and bread. Everybody else on my team is you know purely on Panera Bread. So the way around this, as you handle you know uh, larger portfolios. Is possible only by making sure that you have an absolutely incredible team of leaders and then that you have focus, uh, focus on every single uh, brand so that you can leverage uh, the, the potential and the opportunity that each brand has to offer.
0: That's great. You know, what's interesting is, is sort of brings us full circle to the beginning of the conversation, which is you have to build a stellar team, you have to be tremendous at recruiting, and you also, have to trust. And I'm wondering whether uh, what's helped you, I mean, certainly having a stellar team enables you to trust, but, you know, I've seen leaders who have a hard time letting go of control. And I see leaders who, you know, you you can allow people to make mistakes and they figure it out and they, um, and, you know, other leaders who, as soon as someone makes a mistake, they lose trust in that person. And I, 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 I know firsthand as I've watched you that you're, that you have a very, very good, thoughtful, Strategic balance in um, trust and support you give people, and also where you draw lines. And I'm wondering whether you have any advice for people, as you or you want to talk about, you know, how you find that balance.
1: That's a great question. You know, and, and I was certainly not always like this. I have struggled with this. You know, and I think, as as you were saying, that as we move from individual contributor to manager to leader whatever makes you successful at one level is guaranteed to let you down and to fail you at the next level. Right. Uh, so manager, for example, as a manager, you have to get things done from other people by delegating, holding them accountable. Once you become a leader where you're leading a very high caliber level of people, you just can't do that. You can't micromanage people. You have to you know, trust and let go and empower. So, But even though you get it intellectually, it's very hard to let go of habits that have made you successful. Because you know you 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 are just you know wired that way, and I certainly had my struggles with it. But here is where I think hopefully this can give some encouragement uh, to the listeners. I have realized that every time I have let go, and backed the most of the times, every time that I've kind of let go, and backed the judgment of my team, they have been right and I have been wrong. Mm. And and I think if I sometimes you know they say like, how do you motivate people, and I say well every human being is born motivated. I haven't met a single person who says, hey, I don't wanna do well, or I don't wanna- It's so interesting, you know, someone, someone, yeah.
0: near, someone just asked me to give a speech in, to a coaching community about, and, and I sort of said, what do you want me to talk about? And they said, I wanna talk about how do you motivate your clients? Yeah, And I go, I said, I don't, mo- I have no idea how to motivate my, cl- I don't motivate my clients. My clients come to be motivated. Like yeah, I can exactly. help be a strategic partner with them, but that's not my job to motivate them. If that's my job to motivate them, it's a non-starter. I'm the wrong coach.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I also I believe really resonate sometimes, with you you sometimes the job of a leader is how not to demotivate. Right, right. So, so right. actually the job that, how do I get out of the way? Especially if you have a phenomenal team of rock stars around you. Right, they will rip, they will stay with you only if you know how to get out of the way. Right, you know? otherwise, if you second guess them, you know they're not going to be around for very long. So there have been many cases. I can give you a few examples, like in, in the world of Panera Bread. You know, during the pandemic, we launched the flatbread pizza. Uh, I felt it couldn't be done through the pandemic. My team felt it could, and they were absolutely right, and I was wrong. Uh, the the chicken sandwich uh, sandwich that we just launched. I was skeptical about whether we'd be able to do it with the operating system that we have. My team believed you could. I was wrong, they were right. And I think I have seen the benefit of actually not second guessing the team mm-hmm. and, and realizing and recognizing that how much more successful we are because I learned how to get out of the way <laughs> right. at critical, critical moments, you know, so.
0: Um, I'm curious Niran, about your hopes and your dreams for yourself for yourself as a person?
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, um, like I said, my purpose is to inspire myself and those around me to be the best version of ourselves. That's what drives me. I think uh, I really believe that uh, my dream is to leave a lasting legacy that resonates that purpose, that people remember me as being somebody who was a catalyst that helped them become much better than they ever thought was possible, Mm -hmm. that helped create new pathways for them to unlock their dreams and greater prosperity for their families for multiple generations, you know? That's, that would give me immense pleasure. Additionally, I think if people remember me as somebody who cared not only about enterprise value creation, but also about the impact of the community and serving the planet and having a positive impact for good on climate change and stuff like that, and I can create that, you know, I can inspire that spark in the hearts of leaders in my company, that it is a moral imperative for us to do the right thing for our community and planet would be uh, a a tremendous legacy to leave behind. The third one, I think obviously is to create enterprise, sustainable enterprise value um, without which we can't do the first two. So Mm -hmm. I think therefore enterprise value creation, being successful, uh, delivering on the growth potential so you can unlock dreams and also serve community and planet is is, uh, what motivates me. And then at a personal level, you know, to have you know, I'm married to my childhood sweetheart uh, for over thirty five years. I met her when she was thirty four. No, what am I saying? I met yeah, her. Yeah, that was was that's 14. a
0: very old 14. childhood.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I met her when she was she was fourteen, and uh, she's you know she's 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 my best friend, and I I, I want to. Or that could have been
0: a very interesting story if you were fourteen and she was thirty four. That would have been a whole other thing. <laughs> but uh, so but, uh, she
1: know, and then. 14. And then of course, you know, I have dreams for my son and, and so forth. So I think that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I, I want to give back. I, you know, one of the things that, you know, once, once, uh, once I've, I'm done with the corporate stuff, I, one of the area that really I feel a big calling for is education for mm-hmm. children who come from underprivileged backgrounds. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's an area where I hopefully will do something one day.
0: And I'm curious about your edge. Like, what is, what is your, what, are, what, are, what makes you a little nervous? What are you trying to develop that you might be a little uncertain about, but are committed to, and it scares you a little bit, but you're drawn to it?
1: I think there are, you know, like they say, whatever makes you uh, great uh, is a mirror image of what you must watch out for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I have several. Uh, <laughs> so first is like, I'm very driven by ideas. Mm-hmm. I love ideas and I love uh, dreaming And I have to temper that with doing as well, you know? So it can't be all dreaming all the time, coming up with new ideas, confusing the organization. I have to make sure that there's a time to dream and then there's time to lock and load and to do and give clarity and prioritization and to stay consistent and focused, you know? So that's something I think a lot about. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm naturally very sort of people-orientated and culture orientated I have to make sure that I'm balancing that by holding people accountable to very high standards. Mm -hmm. And, and I I have to remind myself, when do I draw the line between I have failed as a coach and we need to part ways, because I tend to take a lot of accountability for, you know, uh, I'm, I cannot fail people. Um, But, you know, there is a time that you have to actually make the hard call and then, you know, move on people, et cetera. I guess what keeps me at night, uh, keeps keeps me up at night uh, the most uh, is uh, fear of losing talent. Uh, The team that we have built, the culture that we have built, I worry about, you know, I hope that I'm always staying ahead of the aspirations of my team and my key players, and I'm helping them grow and develop and fulfill everything that they're looking for, and that I don't want to be blindsided and and lose, you know, one of my team members. That's what I worry about a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Anything that we didn't talk about that you think would be important to share or that you want to share to the audience?
1: Well, um, uh, you know, I I think uh, we've covered a lot of ground. I think um, uh, a couple of my uh, two things, maybe as as some concluding thoughts, I think the job of a leader is to really build and inspire trust. Because if you do that, you can achieve uh, miracles. And to me, trust is in turn a function, not only of competence, which all of us understand, but character as well. And I would say, you know, we all need to spend time building our character. It is more important today than than ever. I think it's that deepening of that moral compass of what's mm-hmm. right and what resonates and what do I stand for and how do I want to show up. So I would say that's that's infinitely important and even more so, I think, in today's world. And the second one is one about, you know, just I think as as a leader, the importance of role modeling resilience, that whenever there's change, whenever there's difficulty as we have right now and uncertainty, things are happening all the time, you know, crazy things. One can get overwhelmed. And I think as a leader, you have to always kind of stay calm. You have to stay strong and you have to be resilient and reminding yourself and the organization to not worry about the noise, not worry about what's going on, but be focused relentlessly on what you can do, what you can control, and just focusing on that and keeping the organization focused on it. That's the only way to get out of tough challenges. So I would say Mm -hmm. those two have been recent reflections that I, you know, as I observe what's going on around us and how we are navigating our way through it at Panera.
0: It's actually one of the things that I I see in the most successful leaders and and the people who who I work with, who I find to be really stellar, is they're incredibly good at distinguishing signal from noise. They know what's important, they know what's noise, and they don't focus on the noise and they focus on the thing that's most important. if you could focus everybody on that, it makes a really huge difference. All right, I'm going to read your bio one more time while you get your guitar. And then perhaps you could sing us out, uh, uh, share, right. a, share a song with us. Sure, we have sure. been speaking with Niran Choudhury He is the CEO of Panera Brands. That includes Panera Bread, Caribou Coffee, Einstein Brothers Bagel. He's a delightful human being, an exceptional leader. Uh, we're lucky to have him on the podcast to share his wisdom. And here he is with his guitar to sing the show out. This has been the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Niran, take it away.
1: All right. All right. So I'll sing for you the, the, the famous chicken song that you referred to. Yeah, Chef Chicken Sandwich. Coming in in the I need you. Yay, yeah, Chef Chicken Sandwich. Coming in in I need you. Spicy marinated chicken, sweet and In a brioche bun, moist and soft. Spicy but sauce will take the heat up. Fried pickles at the bottom that hit the spot. Chef
0: chicken sandwich. Coming in, 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 in,
1: In and in and in and
0: and I need. Excellent! I love it. That's terrific. It actually makes me want to eat the chicken sandwich too. So it serves its right. purpose.
1: Go get it,
0: Niran. Thank you so much for being on the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Peter. Always a pleasure. Good to see you. Good to see you too. enjoyed this episode of the Bregman Leadership Podcast, then you also might enjoy my newest book, You Can Change Other People. You can find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold or by going to bregmanpartners.com forward slash new book. That's one word. If you've already enjoyed the book and found it useful, consider telling a friend or leaving a review on Amazon leaving a review helps retailers recommend the book to others just like you so it's really helpful thanks to claire marshall for producing this episode thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next great conversation